0: You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, the boys invite you to Poker in the Ears.
1: Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. It's episode 180. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife. He's James Hardigan. Two things,
2: Joe. First of all, if you're going to announce the episode number, you have to say 180. Secondly, feel the loving sounds around you.
1: (laughs) Is this your new thing to terrorize me with now that it's not my birthday anymore?
2: No, I'm going to mix it up. Sometimes I'm going to wish you a happier birthday. Sometimes I'm going to tell you to feel the loving sounds around you. I might add a third. I'm unpredictable.
1: It is equally tilting every single time. Coming up on today's show, we are going back in time. It's all about remembering fonder times. And I'm not just talking about January 2020. I am talking about <laughs> the good old days of poker, the glory days, the days we've been revisiting on EPT Retro, yes. the days of Hashem and Mercier and Fossilman, and speaking of fossils, boy, did we dig up one for today's show. <laughs> Lee Big Horse Jones, one of poker's OGs, will be with us today, and we are going to take a trip down memory lane, yes. back to the present day, the biggest Poker moment of the year so far, and it will be tough to top, happened on Sunday, and I was there to see it. Yes, we are talking about the Galfon Challenge, or rather, we will talk about it later in the show. This week's superfan subject, this is pretty exciting for me, Comedians of the 20th Century. It's a nice change. We're not doing a movie this week. We're not doing a TV show. Robin Vai from Hawaii will be vying for the
2: Superfan
1: Prize, challenging me on my knowledge of comedy history.
2: Huh. So remember, if you want to be a Superfan, leave us a positive review. If you can, I think what's become apparent in the last couple of weeks, Joe, is there are certain platforms that don't allow you to leave a review. But if you can, please do that. Screenshot it. Hashtag poker in the ears. Tell us your preferred specialist subject. And remember, we are still looking for a round of Superfan, because in the next few weeks, we are going to be revisiting that movie, hopefully going to be chatting to Brian Koppelman, and we are looking for someone to take on Joe in Superfan vs. Stapes. Do we have an update?
1: I have so many updates on things right now. This I'm so glad you reminded me. Okay, first of all, we have a Brian Koppelman update. I wrote him an impassioned plea yesterday and just said, hey, I know I didn't hear back from you the first time, but... Yada 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 yada. Let me know if I need to go through like official Showtime channels to you know because right. that has to happen when you work for a big network. If you want to get an interview with James Hardigan, you got to go through Poker Stars, right? Yes. Um, and he just wrote back, yes. <laughs> so, I assume that means he's going to do the show. I don't know if it means I have to go through Showtime. I had, I waited like an hour for him to write back with more details, and I just eventually said. Sounds great. Thank you so much. We're excited. I await further instructions. Hopefully, I don't have to follow up again. I really – because, look, he's super generous, right, with lots of people, not just with us. And during this difficult time, I feel really guilty hounding someone because I don't know what they're going through. Of course. I have no, Now, look, he's super active on social media. He does the coffee thing every day. It's fun. He seems to have everything going okay, but – Hounding people is not I get it. Something I want to do I right get now. It. Um, I have other updates though. So the other thing I needed to update was remember how I said I would send books To people who applied the same way.
2: Yes. Well, this is more relevant, I guess, because I think we're actually going to turn our attention to this book next week. I think we're going to talk about poker and pop culture with Martin Harris on next week's podcast.
1: Yes. Assuming that the books actually get to the people on time. What I don't want to do is send five books out to people. Now, here's what happened. When I started planning today's podcast, only one person had uh, requested a book, had done what I asked. So I was like, okay, well, I guess. But then what happened was later that day, I had someone else, a guy named Andy Peeper, Andrew Pieper, who you may recognize. I think he's been Older a super fan before. Yes. And I've met him many times in person. And he was like, here's my review. Can I get a book? It, because I was using a Twitter for web, which I never use instead of my phone, I accidentally replied to him. With an actual tweet.
2: Rather than a direct message.
1: Rather than a direct message. But it wasn't to him. It just said, DM me if you want a copy of the book. (laughs) Oh, wow. So then what happened was I got another reply that said, here you go. I would like a copy of the book. And I looked at the guy's name, and his name was Andrew something else. And I got all confused and I was like, oh shit, I must have just thought this was Andrew Peeper, sent a direct message to Andrew saying, sorry, dude, I guess I was replying to the wrong guy. And then a third guy named Andy fucking replied, and now I'm all confused.
2: Oh, wow. So this started I, as such a I, simple idea, and of course, it's all got confused due to ineptitude with Twitter on the web.
1: Yes. 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 So long story short, I sent four books out to four people named Andy. <laughs> okay. Somehow, coincidentally, they're all named Andy. Now, when I say I sent them out, this is a big shout-out i got to give here. Dan Adelman from DMB Publishing, the company that published uh, poker and pop culture as well as tons of other poker books, Lance Bradley's book. Pretty much, he's the guy these days for publishing these poker books. I wrote to him and said, hey, man – I would like to buy these five copies of the book. Can I just give you everyone's address so I don't have to make five different Amazon orders and I would rather buy them directly from you than you know, whatever percentage that Amazon takes off of it. So he wrote back and said, I wouldn't dream of charging you, just tell me who to send them to. So because of that reason, I don't know what, you know. I know if I send them through Amazon, they're gonna get there in a couple of days, Dan lives in the south of France. It may take things a little bit longer, but I just wanted to say thank you very much to Dan. Very generous. I did end up sending out two copies of the book on my own because two more people have since come in saying they wanted them. And I didn't want to say, hey, give me some more free books. So I did send those out. So we should have like six, seven people getting the book. If you got one, please. uh, Maybe we should decide on what people should read.
2: I think we're going to be focusing on a couple of things. I think we're going to look at the history of the game, which is covered extensively in the book. But really, we love the stuff about movies and TV. That's our bag, right? There are two chapters about poker in the movies, poker on TV. So those will be the sections I think we'll mainly focus on when we have Martin on next week. Uh, There is a lot of poker news to cover this week, Joe. Before we move on to that, how is your MCU-a-thon going?
1: We've only done one movie, uh, since we last spoke, we did Thor. Okay. And Thor is a guy who I don't know if we talked about this at the time. I always found Thor rather boring mm. uh, in the comics. Was never that big of a Thor fan, and I just think that I don't know how much of a departure from the comics it is, or if I just didn't do a good enough job of reading them. I love Thor, and he is perhaps the most entertaining of the characters after Tony Stark. Right? Like Tony Stark is just is just the guy. Uh, I really enjoyed revisiting Thor, and I enjoyed revisiting it, knowing what I know now, that this sort of storyline with, uh, what's her name?
2: June, what is it? April? Are you talking about Natalie Portman? Yeah. Jane.
1: Jane, that's it. Jane, knowing that this, like, because Jane just disappears, right?
2: But she's coming back.
1: She is coming back, exactly. So that was kind of cool, seeing that again. I tried to watch Parasite. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I, it seemed fine. It seemed like a pretty interesting movie, but I was so tired. I don't know if you're finding that you get really tired at night, James, during all this. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I just can't, I'm not going to make it through this. So I had to put Parasite on, on hold, but I am interested to finally see the, uh, the end of the best picture winner when I get the chance.
2: For sure. Okay. We've got a lot of headlines to cover this week. What's going on in poker today? Now it is time for Poker in the Year's News. And we start with that big story you teased at the top of the show, the Galfond Challenge. It is finally over after more than 24,000 hands of 100-200 PLO. Phil Galfond has won his match against Veni Vidi 1993. The story here is the comeback. After the first few weeks, Phil was down more than 900,000 euros. He took an extended break with some people speculating that he would never come back. He received coaching from Elliot Rowe, friend of the podcast. And Joe, what happened next?
1: So he just began this long trudge up the mountain and just had winning day and then another winning day and then like a small loss of a day and then a big winning day and just slowly climbed his way back up after falling so far and what ended up happening on the final day was one of the most exciting days of poker that I have ever uh, been a part of and I was really grateful to have been a part of this you know obviously I engage trolls way too often and I give people uh too much credence by letting their their words get to me but one one particular thing really got to me this guy right after said you've commentated on people we- winning millions of dollars in poker tournaments you just went bananas that a guy just won 100k and I don't think anyone that has react this reaction can possibly understand the context no. of of this match how close it was to even go to the last day let alone that last day James I don't know if you are privy to what happened but Vennie Vidi was within one pot of winning I the know. overall challenge multiple times.
2: I know how close it was, but nothing will take away from the fact that he came back from being down nearly a million euros. That is insane. That is ridiculous. 40,
1: 45 buy-ins uh, to come back, and when all said and done, profited about 1,600 euros. And James, I have to say this. I don't think you're expecting this or not. I have to say thank you, and I don't recognize this enough. Watching you as the lead for so many years is the only reason I was able to pull off the end of that match as well as I did.
2: Bless you, Joe.
1: I really was like, I got to handle this the way James would handle it. Of course, I put my own little dab of unprofessionalism in there. (laughs) But but
2: (laughs) Got to get the people what they want.
1: It was awesome being in the driver's seat for that, and uh it was I was really, really glad to have been a part of it and i and also, I have to say thank you to Venny Vidi, who I sometimes did forget is a human being, of course there's a there's a man there, or, you know we assume a man there's a person at the very least uh behind that screen name and the the commentary was very heavily biased toward Phil, which I would not have done had we known anything about this person it was very easy to make this a comeback story and to make this about the guy who is universally beloved in the poker world versus a a silhouette so i just want to give a quick shout out to to venny viti who in every conceivable way came across as a class act and want to say i have the utmost respect for him as a player and as a person
2: well, let's talk about what's coming up in the world of online poker. In the last couple of days, Scoop 2020 has been confirmed. The dates have been announced, 30th of April to the 19th of May. In fact, as we go to press, the full schedule is now available to you for you to see nice. on the PokerStars blog, $85 million guaranteed across the series. The highlight, as ever, is the main event. Three tiers across all of the events during Scoop. So the main event has a low, which is a $109 buy-in with a $3 million guarantee. The medium is a $1K buy-in with a $5 million guaranteed prize pool. And the high costs 10 k to play and is also a $5 million guarantee.
1: James, you, you got to assume that for these big events, right? that there's going to be a big online rail. There's going to be a lot more people watching these events than have in years past. We need it. We need the, uh, the sweat.
2: And I think there'll be some pretty strong coverage on the PokeStars Twitch channel as well. Plus micro millions is back on Sunday, the 19th of April, 100 events with buy-ins ranging from $1, 10 cents, 2.6 million guaranteed across the series. Again, Full schedule available to view at the PokerStars blog. Plus, Lex Not Live has been announced. Now, <laughs> awesome. This replaces the live event that we were meant to be at next week, Joe. It runs from the 21st to the 26th. Just like its live counterpart, a series of fun formats, medium to low buy-ins. For example, the High Roller, which takes place next Saturday, is $55. And the main event, which is next Sunday, is $33. And Lex is going to be streaming every single day.
1: James, uh, you know how every year I threaten to maybe drive across the border and go play scoop or go play these sorts of things? Yeah. Not even pretending. No. That's in the (laughs) realm of possibilities. They say
2: about traveling for essential reasons. Playing... The Lex Not Live main event, I'm afraid, does not tick that box.
1: I'm sure the cops at the border would understand once I drop Lex's name.
2: <laughs> I say that Lex is going to be streaming every day. Of course, we will also be streaming next week as EPT Retro continues. <laughs> Go. Are you feeling the loving sounds around you?
1: I see. I you don't. People don't take me seriously when I say this. That music, that holding music that we've played on our events, it haunts me. Like genuinely, I will wake up with it in my head. It it is it actually bothers me, and it's good music.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so this week we had highlights from the first half of season four. We streamed Barcelona, the near miss for Mark Telcher, his potential second title, but it was his buddy, Sander Lelof, who won. Uh, we streamed London, where we had Florian Langman dispensing poker lessons at the table, and we saw the first Lebanese winner on the tour. We had Ibti Barden with the flies, and we had the first PCA that was part of the EPT complete with fake fish tank and plastic pirate chest. have to be honest, looking at it now, it didn't look as bad as I remembered it. I thought it was going to be a lot more naff than it actually appeared on screen.
1: Look, what what it lacked in uh, fake treasure, it clearly made up for an actual treasure. Now we are getting into... The the real juicy, juicy prize pools of the late aughts, yeah, and early teens, where two million dollars for first place at the PCA, one million dollars for second place. I, I look, it's pretty well known who won that event. Just in case people haven't actually watched it yet, I won't say how that final table shakes out, but it's just sick, sick money being played for.
2: Absolutely. And of course, someone who has been a huge part of the coverage at the table, announcing the action, his bull dome shining for all to see is Lee big horse Jones. And that's why we invited him onto the podcast this week to join us on our trip down memory lane. So please welcome back to poker in the Ears, Lee Jones. Hey guys.
1: Lee, Lee, your voice is a sight for, sore. I don't know what to call it, but man, oh man, is it nice to hear your voice, buddy.
0: Listen, hearing your guys' voices together is just like warm milk
2: and cookies. It's it's the (laughs) best. Well, the weird thing is, Lee, over the last few weeks, we've been hearing your voice and seeing you in the flesh so much because we've been going over the old epts reliving those events from the mid 2000s season two season three season four and you were around a lot back then i think you actually had an official role on the ept which we'll talk about in a moment but you were often stood at that table announcing the action for the sizable audience who would just sit there in the poker room watching the feature slash final table
0: yeah yeah um I mean, I guess I'm back like a bad burrito, right? <laughs> it's just, I, I remember those days, and I actually remember the first time Francine Watson asked me if I wanted to go up there and call cards. And I said, I have no idea what I'm doing. She said, it's easy. Do whatever I tell you to do in your ear. And I said, okay, <laughs>
1: So you actually got a reasonable amount of direction on how to
0: do that uh no, uh, oh. what I got was move <laughs> left so you're not blocking my number my camera too short. oh my god um well, you know right <laughs> and i can I can take a step left with the best of them um no seriously it was it was pretty straightforward, right? I mean, I'd been doing poker stuff for twenty years or whatever before I did that, and so. When they told me go up there and announce what you see, it, it it wasn't it wasn't rocket science for me. And just the the idea of keeping the mic close to my mouth and staying out of the way of the cameras was pretty straightforward. So what was it that
1: put you in that position in the first place? Like what would they surely didn't pull you like off the rail as a spectator? What was your
0: role up until that point? Well, I was, I had been the card room manager and you know what, I'll tell you the truth. When, when she first grabbed me, and that would have been in Dublin, um, I was still the poker room manager for poker stars, but I was kind of beginning to branch into some of the live events and to be quite blunt, I was standing on the rail watching and, you know, it was probably like the guy that was supposed to call cards was taking a long dinner break or something. I mean, I just remember this woman, this short blonde woman in all black wearing a headphone came up to me and said, do you want to go call cards? I'm like, okay.
2: But as you said, like you were transitioning into a different role. You had a quite a fancy title back in the day, if I remember. Were you like the executive host of the European Poker Tour?
0: Um, that was
2: actually my fancy
0: title. My actually practical title was Make Sure John Duffy Has Cappuccini. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you know, I was, I was jack-of-all-trades, master of none in that gig. And I just... Basically filled in wherever was necessary. Um, You know, one of the first things I did was at some point, John said, I have no idea of how many chips of which denominations we have and they're scattered all over the place. Would you please go essentially do an inventory of all of our tournament chips? Wow. So I sat in the back hall of some, you know, European casino and, and counted poker chips for a day or two um you know and it was i mean it was it was talking to the players it was you know handling when when a vip had an issue it was it was before gary gates existed and so i i did that kind of role um, you know whatever whatever was needed to keep the pressure off john duthie at the time. Um, that was my job.
2: Yeah. And as I've referenced on some of the streams we've done, you and I worked together on some of the TV shows. You were often a guest commentator on the live streams, but I want to focus a bit longer on the table announcing for two reasons. Number one, as I said, back then there were crowds around those tables. There was an audience. Now, part of that was that there was no live stream. Part of that, there was no There were very few side events or cash games running, but also I'm guessing it was the novelty of this being a new thing. People wanted to be there to see the historic moment when someone won.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it was we're talking like 05, 06 in there. So that was the very early doors of the EPT, as you Brits would say. And it was, as you say, it was a novelty. We had never, nobody had ever done anything like that. The prize pools were ridiculous by traditional standards. Um, you know, the heroes were just beginning to make themselves known Noah Boken and, you know, some of those guys. And, um, you know, Monte Carlo in 06 when Jeff Williams won and he was 19 years old. Yeah. I mean, that was that was just complete craziness. I mean, they're looking at this nineteen year old kid just dusting off all the top European pros. So yeah, it was it was a very big deal, and we did have big audiences, and of course the the drinks would be flowing both in the crowd <laughs> and at the table.
2: Well, Um, the other thing that was flowing was the money back in that day, which I know you've got some questions about that down the line, Joe. The only other thing I wanted to say about the table announcing is we noticed this trend for the celebrity table announcer. Sometimes Greg Raymer would be up there. Sometimes Joe Hashem would be up there. And one of the problems that a lot of those guys ran into was their need to not just announce, but also commentate. And this is where I imagine the job can be quite dull. You literally just have to say what you see. There can be no commentary. There can be Light. no color. And we've seen so many people make that mistake of drawing attention to the fact that, oh, this is the third hand in a row that he's raised. Oh, that's a big bet.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I can remember that. And, you know, I think, I, I know you guys are going to find this difficult to believe, but I have a reputation as a rules nit.
2: <laughs> um <laughs> Anyone and, who's ever played poker at the same table as Lee Jones or know if there's or, any violation. Or heard
1: commentary by Lee Jones or read a blog by Lee Jones <laughs> or potentially could see a tweet favorited by Lee Jones. We know that Lee is a fan of the rules.
2: Any violation yeah. of etiquette and he's there with his axe. Right, exactly. So early on,
0: I knew that my job, the number one job I had was to not say anything that could influence play, right? Yeah. I mean it. Like, if I said nothing, that would be better than me saying, "Oh, hey, that's a larger raise than the past two he made." Yes. Right. Yes. And so, and, and I do remember when we had the celebrity commentators, they they hadn't warmed into the gig. They didn't have the practice. Um, you know, they, I'm sure that I said something more than I should have at least once. And then either I caught myself or Francine slapped me upside the head or, you know, whatever it was. And and I didn't do it anymore.
2: (laughs) Um, So now I have quoted you a few times because there is a quote that is attributed to you, which I've never heard personally because I never got to go to Baden. Apparently in Baden, you were a huge fan of the pastries at breakfast and were heard saying that they were so good, they made your brain hurt. Just how good were those pastries, Lee? How awesome was Barben? Do you know, I, I, listen, we were in Austria,
0: right? I mean, a country famous for its pastries. Yes. So there you go. I, they were, they were off the charts and, you know, Look, everyone
1: be, says pastry like generically. I need to know what the fuck this thing was. Was it a donut? Was it
0: a croissant? No, no, no. no. It it would have been it would have been of the form of a Danish or something, right? Or or a pan au chocolat, which I assure you, the Austrians can do with when you put Austrian chocolate into a buttery, flaky croissant, you, you have a thing that pretty much defies description.
2: Oh man, I'm I'm all in. Um I'm interestedly, because you went to pretty much all the stops back then. I didn't necessarily get to see all of them. We didn't start streaming until the tail end of season three. What were your favorite destinations? What were the standouts for you? Um Wow. Well, you know, the thing was is that
0: everyone was basically new and different for me, because I'd pretty much never been to any of those cities. Um Barcelona was amazing. Um, you know, I won't say that Dortmund was my favorite, however, Dortmund was the first place where we tried live streaming, yeah, and it was it was wild. We were sitting up.
2: I don't were you there? I didn't get to do the very first live stream. I didn't get to go to Dortmund until season five okay. dortmund we we were up in this
0: giant on this massive balcony. Overlooking the scene, with I mean I don't think we had opera glasses, but we should have, um, you know, describing the game. So that was that was a lot of fun. the The general logistics of Dortmund were not fabulous, but I would say Barcelona, um, Monte Carlo, kind of for the surreality of the whole experience. Yeah, like everybody has a story or three from Monte Carlo. That's basically, this is not real life and I can prove it because X. (laughs) Um, And, you know, and many of the stories that we know, I don't know if you know Brad Willis's favorite famous line is, is that 80% of what I see, I can't report. Yeah. (laughs) And, and so I'm not as. I'm not with, as With the as passage of time,
1: Lee, is there anything that maybe you couldn't have reported on then that you could possibly share with us now?
0: So there is actually a story that one of these days, if we ever get to meet face-to-face and have a hug, I will tell you over a beer. <laughs> but it would be extremely wrong for me to tell it on the air. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, no, I just, like, okay, here's the story from Monte Carlo. I'm sitting in the lobby waiting for the bus to take me back to the Nice airport. And there's this little short guy walking around and he's, he's American and he's, he's drunk as all get out.
1: If you're talking about uh, Daniel Negrano, he's Canadian.
0: No, 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 he's, he was, he was a, a random. Okay. He was unrelated to the whole
2: poker scene. Nor was he that short.
0: He, I, I'm not going to go into specifics here, but, he, but what he had with him was a bodyguard and three absurdly hot hookers. <laughs> and he was very drunk, and the bodyguard was trying to get him into a car. The hookers were trying to get their claws into him. And it was, I mean, the whole thing looked like a scene out of a movie. I was literally looking for cameras and for some director to say, cut, let's try that again (laughs) because you overplayed the drunk scene (laughs) and I'm just sitting there going, I think I'm waiting for a bus, but instead I've walked into a scene from a movie.
2: Wow.
0: Um, you know but that's kind of what Monte Carlo I mean I'm not I don't need to tell you guys what Monte Carlo is like, but that that the whole surreality of the whole situation in Monte Carlo um, sort of raises it to the one of the higher levels. Um, I love London. call me crazy, but I just love the town I, and and actually here's a good story from the London EPT. It was when we were at that hall over in Covent Garden.
2: Oh, wow. Masonic that's,
0: Temple? That, that's, there you
2: go. That's relatively recent. We're talking like 2013,
0: 2014. Yeah. Um, and I was, I had gone to walk down the street during one of the breaks to get a, a Coke or something, and I walk in this little news news shop, and I I get in line, and Talal Shakerchi is standing behind a woman, Um in line, and he wants to buy a pack of gum and a, some crisps or something, and the woman is having like having difficulty coming up with the money for her purchase, right? And Talal just holds out a twenty-pound note and says, "It's okay, I've got it." <laughs> and the woman looks at him like she—he's just given her the keys to a Maserati or something—and uh... says. Oh, sir, thank you so much. He says, "Not a problem. Don't worry about it." And she goes out of the shop, and and you know it took the took the clerk a second to figure it out, but he was good, and you know everything proceeded at pace. And I just remember thinking, "There's a measure of a man right there."
2: Yeah. Just going back to the mid-2000s, Lee, and Joe, this is something that you've been trying to emphasize on the stream. And I guess for the benefit of some of our co-commentators who are relatively new to the scene and viewers have only discovered poker in the last four or five years, you've really tried to hammer home the point that in 2005, in 2006, there was so much more money in poker. And the sponsorship deals, the bonuses that people were getting, it just meant everything was different.
1: Look, like... Six months ago, we looked back on that era as the glory days. And now, given the state we're in currently, it is insanely the glory days to the nth degree. Lee, I was hoping you could share with us some stories of the excess and the decadence and just the lighting of money on fire that these companies (laughs) used to do back in the mid
0: 2000s. (laughs) I have to be a little careful here. (laughs)
2: Um, I'm guessingly a lot of it is public information now, because Dan Goldman, who I guess was the marketing director at Stars back in that day, he's published a series of blogs where he's talked in a lot of detail about some of the questionable decisions that were made back in that era. I love his blog about how the deal with Casino Royale nearly came about. I love his yeah. blog about the very first member of Team Pro, which was a bizarre signing and didn't work out well for either side.
0: No, that and, and Dan, Dan was there for the very earliest, you know, days. And Dan and I could probably write a book if either of us had enough of a memory to remember everything that happened. Um, but, yeah, I mean, at the time, in, in those pre-Black Friday days, and, and the the thing that is strange is is that I was in poker before online poker came crashing in. Yeah. And if you think that the post Black Friday days don't have money in them, the pre MoneyMaker WPT days were a pittance, right? I mean, there was no money in poker before Chris Moneymaker and WPT and and the EPT and, you know, all that. Yeah. So the comparison of those go-go days to what I had known five or ten years prior was head spinning. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, I guess since the PCA sort of became part of the EPT at some point, you know, we called it the, the Deep Southwest European poker tour. <laughs> um I mean the parties, but I mean the, the Monte Carlo parties at the uh at that nightclub. Yeah. Behind the behind the sport facility.
2: Jimmy's. Jimmy's. Oh yeah.
0: There you go. Um and the parties in Barcelona. I just remember a a spread of sushi that went on as far as the eye could see and barely dressed belly dancers, you know, dancing through the thing while while the guys ate sushi. And, And to give you an idea of what these guys were like, I mean, so here we are standing in this sort of sea of sushi and here come the belly dancers with guys carrying flaming torches behind them and stuff. And I'll never forget standing next to this little cluster of EPT players. And and one of them kind of looking up, taking in the scene of the dancers and the guys with the torches and everything for about five seconds and then turning back and saying, so there I am in the big blind with pocket sixes. And, uh, you know, it was, it was just kind of, it was all very surreal. Oh, you know, another one, San
2: Remo. Did you guys like San Remo? I did like I was San not, Remo.
1: I was not the biggest San Remo fan.
2: San okay. Remo had tiramisu ice cream, Joe. What's not to like about San Remo?
1: I don't know. The best Western.
2: Eh, good point <laughs> well made.
1: <laughs> they literally advertise on the outside color TV.
0: There you go. But yeah, it was it was crazy. I mean, I don't... It, it would be wrong for me to discuss numbers i was aware of i mean if dan wants to do that that's cool but people were getting paid a lot of money to represent poker stars to wear the poker stars patches i mean the number of people that were coming through with poker stars patches on them you know boris becker yeah and um you know i can't remember all the names but Yeah, we were just, we were, there was a ridiculous amount of money. And because we couldn't get the normal advertising, because, you know, we couldn't get TV advertising in many places and stuff like that, then the only thing that you could do was patch up some celebrity and hope they made it onto a TV table wearing your patch.
2: Yeah, and it's not just the stars pros as well. I mean, one of the things I've... There's two things, I guess, for me, which are the standouts, Joe, for what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks. One is seeing all the patches, seeing all the branding of sites and businesses that just no longer exist, but also the faces of the players that we don't see anymore and realizing how dominant many of them were during the early seasons. Multiple final tables, numerous feature tables, so many caches, and then pretty much disappeared from poker forever. Right.
1: I can't speak to the actual numbers because I don't remember, and I didn't work on the EPT. Right, like I cut my teeth. I did most of my work on the WPT and on the uh, World Series uh, in my poker infancy. But I remember it was, um, hey, my table is getting moved to the feature table. Uh, it's 5K to wear a full tilt patch. It's 5K just to wear a Poker Stars patch. You don't even have to be a name player. That's the kind of money, uh, which was which was in play at the time. That's not even including a final table, right? That's just making like a feature table. And I think it kind of speaks to some of the punting that we saw back then. I think that, you know, some of these uh, TV table moves where people were punting off their stacks and didn't really seem that upset by it. I think a lot of that uh, money was being made up for by the various sites, paying folks to wear their shit at the feature table.
0: Yeah. Oh, I wasn't in a situation where I was watching the wheeling and dealing going on for feature final tables at the EPT. But I was in a situation when I was working for PokerStars to see that um, going on at the World Series. And it was completely and totally insane. I mean, representatives from different poker companies all but waving $100 bills In the faces of guys that were about to go to the final table or to a tv feature table
1: yeah it was insane and And the and and not only did the players make money but you know it was the birth of the poker agent as well was the people who were the gatekeepers to the dan goldmans of the world right
2: well, we're yeah. going to continue our reminisci programming every Wednesday and Thursday for the foreseeable future. More EPT retro streams, uh, 1 p.m. UK time every Wednesday and Thursday on the PokeStars Twitch and YouTube channels. Uh, going to take it all the way through to the conclusion of EPT Season 6 and see the further evolution of the game and TV coverage. Uh, Lee, before we release you, you have to go through... The ritual that is playing one of Joe Stapleton's stupid games.
1: Lee, I've got a stupid game teed up for you that I'm pretty excited about. I have one last legitimate question for you. Um, Fire
0: away, Joe. Uh,
1: James just mentioned evolution, or evolution, as I would call it. Uh, I want to know, as a guy who's a bit, who can be a bit of a curmudgeon. Not to say you're not fun, not to say that you're not a sweetheart of a guy because you are, but you tend to be a little strict with your interpretations. Uh, what I want to know is, have you lightened up on any of the stances that we know you for being so famous for from back in the day? Have you lightened up your stance on table talk? Have you lightened up on your stance about, I don't know, not that I know one way or the other, the big blind ante? Has there been anything that you have evolved and be like, you know what? Uh, the game has changed. And my opinion on this has changed.
0: Um, you know, I'll say it in a broader sense. I've lightened up. Um, you know, as you get older, at least for me, I've just lightened up, but, um,
1: I've seen that Lee. And that's why I wanted to ask that question. I feel, I feel like that's happened,
0: you know, and, and that's true. I mean, I, I certainly have lightened up as a human being. Um, but you know, the reason, and I, I said something about this a while ago, and the reason that I care so much about the rules of poker is that the game is basically played without a referee, if you will. And, and it's one of, you know, like if you're playing football and you commit pass interference, a guy in a striped shirt throws a flag. Yeah, Poker doesn't have that. And it's one of the gorgeous things about poker. And so to me, the rules allow us to sit and have this glorious game without a referee watching every move we make. And the only way we get away with that is if everybody sort of communally agrees that we're gonna totally follow the rules. Does that make sense? Absolutely.
1: It's because you love poker so much. I get it. I've always gotten it. Uh, I had a feeling that you may have lightened up over the years, and I think that you are going to get even lighter after you finish my stupid game. This time, it's called Keeping Up with the Joneses. It's Uh an easy game. It is trivia about other Joneses. I'm gonna tell you about a famous Jones. You tell me which Jones I'm referring to, AKA their first name. Go for it. Okay, here we go. Question number one. In which Jones' locker do you end up in when you drown? Davy? Davy Jones is correct. Multiple choice options are available. He's one for one. Question number two, which fictional Jones chose to nickname himself after the family dog? Was it Smokey Jones, Fido Jones, Clifford Jones, or Indiana Jones? I'm going to
0: guess Indiana, but I don't know.
1: Indiana is correct. He's two for two. He's keeping up with the Joneses. Question number three. Which of the Joneses was the matriarch of the Partridge family? Was I knew it, you were going to hit me with that one. Was it Sherry Jones, Charlene Jones, Cheryl Jones, or Shirley Jones?
0: Shirley Jones.
1: Shirley Jones, Shirley, you can't be going three for three, but you are. Question. (laughs) Don't
0: call me and don't call me Shirley.
1: (laughs) Question number four: Which of the following UK comedians is secretly one of the Joneses? Ooh. Is it Benny Hill Jones, Rowan Atkinson Jones, Steve Coogan Jones, or Rob
0: Brydon Jones? Zero idea.
2: You can phone a friend.
0: No, I just, I'll let, let James answer that. Maybe okay. he knows
2: it. I'm going to guess it's a Welsh thing, and I'm going to say Rob Brydon Jones.
0: Rob Brydon Jones is
1: correct. Lee Jones, you are keeping up with the Joneses. Four for four. Question number five. Stephen Philip Jones, former guitarist for the Sex Pistols, hosted which long-running radio program? Was it Jonesy's Jams? Joneses is <laughs> The Jones Star State, or Jonesy's jukebox.
0: Jonesy's jukebox.
1: Jonesy's jukebox is correct. You are five for five. You are keeping oh, yes. up with the Joneses. Why Question
2: am I not six. listening to a radio show right now called Joneses is
1: <laughs> Question number six of seven. Which of the following Joneses? has never been nominated for an Academy Award. Is it Tommy Lee Jones, James Earl Jones, Quincy Jones, or Toby
0: Jones? I'm gonna guess Quincy, because he just collects Grammys,
1: right? Quincy Jones was in fact nominated for an Academy Award for... I can't remember, but I did look it up. Sorry that I can't remember right now. we were looking for Toby Jones. Toby Jones, somehow not nominated for Academy Award. I thought he might have been for Capote or whatever, which one of those he was in, but he no, was not. No,
2: it was the same year as there was the Philip Seymour Hoffman movie about Capote, and he got the Oscar that year.
1: That is correct. Question number seven. Final question. Okay. I do not expect you to get this reference but I'm going to do it anyway. Which of the Joneses... She dips beneath the lasers. Oh, is it Cherry Jones, Chloe Jones, Leslie Jones, or Catherine
0: Zeta Jones? No clue. Seriously, I have no idea.
1: Take a guess: Cherry, Chloe, Leslie, or Catherine Zeta?
0: Um, Chloe.
1: Chloe Jones is a porn star, Lee, you sick fuck. It was Catherine Zeta-Jones. She dips beneath the lasers. Lee, thank you so much for being on the Wait show.
0: Hang on, Joe. I've got one for you. Okay. Davy Jones of the Monkees. Why did he go by Davy Jones?
1: Uh, because, no. because he looked too much like uh, like Chekhov from, no. uh, from Star no. Trek.
0: Why... <laughs> What caused a problem because of Davy Jones's name?
1: Uh, He he almost drowned when he was a kid and he went deaf from it.
2: James, do you know? I don't know, Lee, but I'm enjoying this hashtag fun fact. (laughs) David
0: Bowie's real
2: name is David Jones. Uh... (gasps) Of course it is. Of course. And he changed
0: his name to David Bowie because he didn't want to be confused with David Jones of the Monkees.
2: That is an excellent hashtag fun fact and a great way to end this interview. Lee, it's been great reliving old times. Always great to talk to you. You take care, and we hopefully will see you in the flesh on the live circuit sometime soon.
0: Gentlemen, it's so good to hear your voices, and indeed, I look forward to the day we can actually hug each other. Yeah, man. Take care.
2: One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stakes. So let's see if we can give away some prizes to one of our loyal listeners. Please welcome to Poker in the Ears, Robin Vai. Hello, Robin.
1: Hello, James. What's up, Robin? How are we doing, buddy?
3: Doing very well. How are you, Joe?
1: I am doing all right, considering, you know, the world.
3: Yep.
2: Now, Robin, you are in the United States of America. You are in the state that is furthest of all. You're in Hawaii.
3: I certainly am.
2: Are you a native of the islands?
3: I'm originally from Los Angeles. I've been living in Hawaii for uh, about 25 years. Wow.
2: So what's your story? What do you do for a living? What took you to Hawaii in the first place?
3: Well, I came to visit and I fell in love with it. Uh, warm, clean air, warm, clean water, good surf. Uh, I work for the local university in the field of oceanographic research. Uh, I have an adorable dog named Lonnie. I've been playing poker for about 10 years. I play in a really fun home game with some very smart and funny people. We actually recently moved our home game onto poker stars so we can play poker and video conference at the same time, which nice. is really cool. It's allowed us a chance to reconnect with some of our home game players who have moved far away and uh, we're now able to play and video chat in real time.
2: That's so, so cool. Out.
3: So you actually did it.
1: You're like of all – everyone goes to Hawaii and they go, oh, man, I should live here. And you actually did that. I actually pulled it off. I'm still amazed. But, yeah, I are – Are you accepted as a local yet? Because I know that they can be territorial
3: there. Well, it's uh, – a. It's complicated, but uh, yeah, you know people are people are friendly if you're friendly and, and nice people are these are beautiful uh, people are beautiful here. Well, you love to hear it.
2: You sound like an affable chap, Robin, and from the description of your life, I'm jealous. I want to be Robin Vi. I want to mix with intelligent people, live in a warm place, and have fun with a dog. Uh, you have chosen. As your specialist subject, Comedians of the 20th Century. And I feel that this is a subject that you probably know a fair deal about as well, Joe.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to this quiz. I I think that I I have a pretty good chance here. Uh, Who who made the quiz?
2: I made the quiz. Now, clearly, this is a very difficult subject to cover because it's incredibly broad. I've gone with a simple who said it quiz. These are quotations, gags from very famous comedians of the 20th century and we're going to apply the usual rules multiple choice options mean that you only get one point if you can nail it without the options you get two points and i've come up with 12 questions what made you go for this robin
3: well you guys seem like you were on quite a bender of shitty movies and i just (laughs) wanted to wanted to take it in a completely different direction i like it uh, you know if I fail miserably, I can blame it on the fact that Joe is a professional stand-up comedian, so he should have a bit of an edge. But uh,
2: you know, we'll see. We'll I see. James, he Close called out. me
3: a professional stand-up comedian. I'm gonna fucking take a dive in
1: this. So hard, I've already won. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was going to say, I love the fact that you've already prepared your excuse, Robin, for if you lose. Uh, let's see how it goes. As I said, there are 12 quotations. So please give me a number between one and 12.
3: Let's start with number
2: one. Let's start with number one. And remember, if you don't need to take the options, you get two points. Who said, I drink too much. The last time I gave a urine sample, it had an olive in it. Ooh. If you don't want to guess, you can take the multiple choice options. Uh, I'll have to
3: take the choices.
2: Okay. Was it Dudley Moore, Rodney Dangerfield... Chris Farley or WC Fields. Ooh. I'm
3: gonna say
1: Just real quick here. Deadly more Can I just have the the chance for the moral steal? I know I don't get points once the choices have been revealed. Yes. That's a Rodney Dangerfield line.
2: It is a Rodney Dangerfield line. It was not Dudley Moore. So you don't get any points there, Robin. And Joe, it's your question. Two through 12 available.
1: Let's just go number two. Come on.
2: Okay. Who said this? Eddie Fisher married to Elizabeth Taylor is like me trying to wash the Empire State Building with a bar of soap.
1: I have an idea, but I have to take the choices.
2: Was it Woody Allen, Bob Hope, Don Rickles, or Albert Brooks?
1: I'm gonna go with Bob Hope.
2: It was Don Rickles. Scoreless game, second round. Three through twelve. Let's go with three. Okay, I get where we're going. Let's just take it chronologically then. Sounds good. Question three. You know you're getting old when the candles cost more than the cake. (laughs) Wow,
3: these are tough. I'm gonna have to take the choices.
2: Was it Bob Hope, George Burns? Billy Connolly or Joan Rivers
3: let's go with George Burns
2: that one was Bob Hope question Uh, four Joe yes sir there is one thing I would break up over and that is if she caught me with another woman I won't stand for that
1: (laughs) I don't know off the top of my head
2: was it Jim Carrey Steve Martin Stephen Wright, or Bob Newhart?
1: Man, I'm leaning towards Newhart. What was the second choice? Steve, Steve Martin. Martin? I'm gonna go with Bob Newhart.
2: You've lost another flip, Joe, it was Steve Martin. <laughs> ah This may be a scoreless game, but we're all enjoying my dry delivery of these classic comedy quotes, aren't we? Uh, Question five, by any chance, Robin?
3: Sure, Give give it a go.
2: Contraceptives should be used on every conceivable occasion.
3: I'm gonna have to take the choices.
2: Was it Spike Milligan, Eric Idle, John Cleese, or Peter Sellers? Go with John Cleese. It was Spike Milligan. Number six, Joe?
1: Uh, You know what? I'm going to shake things up and go with number seven.
2: Number seven. Well, the way things are going, aside from wheat and auto parts, America's biggest export is now the Oscar.
1: Yeah, no idea.
2: Was that David Letterman, Billy Crystal, Whoopi Goldberg, or Chevy Chase? Uh,
1: I'm gonna go with Billy Crystal.
2: Correct for a point. You're on the board, Joe. (sighs) For the avoidance of doubt, they were all Oscars hosts. So it was like a a
1: soccer game. One
3: to nothing. (laughs) (laughs) This is tough, tough quiz, James. Let's go with 10.
2: Question number 10. If God wanted us to fly, he would have given us tickets. Options. Mel Brooks, Johnny Carson, Bill Hicks, Gary Shandling. Uh, I'm sorry, what was the first one? Mel Brooks. And second? Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson. It was Mel Brooks.
3: Yeah, I liked Mel Brooks there, yeah.
2: <laughs> Joe, six, eight, nine, eleven or twelve.
1: I'll take my lucky number nine, please. By the way, did you pick? Was this comedians of the nineteenth century?
2: Twentieth <laughs> century.
1: No, I know. We should have, we should have been the, We should have done the twenty-first century. I think maybe.
2: Well, I specifically didn't do anyone modern.
1: Oh no, it's okay. It's I'm not I'm not complaining. I just think that we're probably yeah. better suited for comedians of the last
2: twenty years than the hundred before that. Okay. Question number nine, Joe. I don't drink water. Fish fucking it.
1: Damn, this joke has been reappropriated and reused so many times.
2: Who uh, is originally credited with that gag? Yeah,
3: I'll take the I'll take the choices.
2: Was it Lenny Bruce, Roy Chubby Brown, Andrew Dice Clay, or W. C. Fields?
1: I think it's Lenny Bruce.
2: It's not. It's W. C. Fields. It's a uh, Yoldy gag. Uh, Robin, six, eight, eleven, or twelve? Six. Canada is the essence of not being not English not American it is the Mathematic of not being and a subtle flavor we're more like celery as a flavor
3: No idea let's take the choices
2: okay and guess what they're all Canadians Jim Kerry, <laughs> Norm Macdonald, John Candy or Mike Myers
3: Mike Myers.
2: Correct! And we have a tied game. Oh one no! Point each. Joe, I'm back. 8, <laughs> 11, or 12?
3: Uh, my
1: other lucky number, which I rarely get to choose uh, because we don't have numbers that go this high, is number 11.
2: This one goes to 11. Make no mistake about why these babies are here. They are here to replace us.
1: Oh my god. I. Th- I'm pretty sure I think it's a Carlin line. I better take the choices just to be safe.
2: Okay. Well, I can tell you Carlin is not one of the options, so good job you took the options. Is it Roseanne Barr, Jerry Seinfeld, Eddie Izzard, or Robin Williams?
1: It's Seinfeld. It
2: is Seinfeld for a point. You have a one-point lead. Okay. Final question, Robin. Pick wisely, 8 or 12? 8. I never forget a face, but in your case, I'll be glad to make an exception. Take the choices. (sighs) Is it Bill Hicks, Jackie Mason, Groucho Marx or Gilbert Gottfried? Groucho Marx. It is Groucho Marx. Tied game again. Okay, Joe, comes down to the final question. You get this right. With or without the options, you win the game. Question 12. Marriage is really tough. Because you have to deal with feelings and lawyers. I'll need the choices. Dennis Miller, Rodney Dangerfield, Richard Pryor, Robin Williams. Robin Williams. It was Richard Pryor. So we go to the tiebreaker. So, Joe, you need to message in the chat. Yeah. When I have your answer, Robin, I want you to verbally answer the question. Got it. George Burns lived to what age? And remember, prices right rules apply. You go too high, you are disqualified. Oh. Okay. Okay. So I have Joe's answer, Robin. What do you think the answer okay. is? Oh,
3: my gosh. I'm going to say 90...
2: 98? 98. Joe, you went for 103. George Burns actually lived to the age of 100. Joe, you're automatically disqualified, but that's irrelevant. Robin, you were actually closer by one year. So congratulations. You have squeaked out a victory in this week's edition of Superfan vs. Stapes. And we are going to let you pick two t-shirts from the Poker in the Ears range.
3: Wow, that was a tough one, James.
2: <laughs> Did you expect <laughs> anything <laughs> They're always less?
3: tough. Good
1: choice, though. It's nice being reminded of some of those quotes. <laughs> yeah, and that was fun. Thanks, guys.
2: Robin, thank you very much for coming on the show. Good to talk to you.
3: Aloha.
1: All right, my babies. We're almost out of time for this week's show. Coming up next week, keep watching that EPT retro and it is time for Poker and Pop Culture by Martin Harris. Go ahead and order that book straight from DB Publishing. I'm sure Amazon can get it to you very fast. And also, it's available electronically. Remember, your homework assignments are the history of poker, poker in the movies, and poker on television. Holler at us if you have any questions for Martin. We will ask them on the cast. Until next time, please remember to comment like and subscribe let's make sure we keep this show on the air for as long as we possibly can that is it james anything to add
2: i've got nothing to say joe other than feel the loving sounds around you
1: all right that is all the time we have got for this week's show until next time for james harding and i am joe stapleton smell you later